group or whatever, but like I'm a little late to this party. I um I was hanging out with a girl a couple of weeks ago and she was like, Hey, you work at Rock Stations? I was like, Yeah. And she's like, I'm surprised you don't really get into this band. And I was like, ah, I was like, I've seen their name, I've heard them a little bit. I was like, but I've never really I've never really like heard it much. So I was like cleaning the apartment, so she turned it on. Next thing I know, I found myself a pretty big fan of this band. I think they're like three, four albums in into their career. And I got to tell you, dude, I've listened to most of it. It's pretty good. Yeah, when I was working up in Flint, they had a song, I can't remember what it was called, that we played all the time. So I, I'm excited to hear new stuff from them. Yeah, they have a they have a new one out called Notorious, so we'll get into that. I uh, Also on today's show, I uh, th- we'll do this at 8.30, as a matter of fact. I found what I think, I don't know if I'm right about this, but what I think may be one of the most polarizing sex questions we have ever asked the 20 million. Okay. And we put it up at Facebook, or at, yeah, at facebook.com slash Stansberry Show there. And people have left their comments. So we're going to wade through those and okay. figure this out at 8.30. I can't wait to find out what side of the aisle you're on on this because it's very polarizing sexually. And so I, I would be very curious to see where Fantone is on this. The great debate happens. Yeah. Okay. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Roseanne's on the apology tour. We'll get into that around seven o'clock. We have some audio from that. I have a prediction on what what's going to happen with Roseanne. People are going to tell me I'm crazy, but you just watch. That will probably happen. Now I can't wait to talk to you about this. Okay. And I knew this was going to happen. And again, what do I always say? You can't get real mad about things you know are going to happen, right? Yes, one hundred percent. There. It seems like that's one of those uh, mantras that I'm trying to do in my life because I used to be that person. No matter if I knew it was something or not, I'd get mad about it. Well, you can get mad, but it's a waste of energy at that point. Yeah, I mean, I really, what are you working yourself up for? I don't want to be mad about things I know are going to happen anymore, nor do I want to be mad about things that don't really affect me. Okay. Right? Okay. And uh, that's something I've been working on, and I believe a lot of us should be working on that. But the NBA awards were last night, yeah. and I know a lot of you think, oh, my God, here we go, more NBA. But it's like, dude, this is what people are talking about. James Harden from the Houston Rockets beat out LeBron James for the MVP. Correct. Now, we know that's crazy. Now, we know that's crazy. Now, what the shows are going to do, and by the shows I mean these national sports shows, what they're going to do is they're going to show you graphics, right? Because if they give you numbers and graphics, then they're right. Right, that's how that's how the that's how the TV works. One hundred percent. I mean, you can make numbers look a lot of different ways on a lot of different things. You sure. Can. And here's a good way they do it. So one side of the argument is no, LeBron wins by a mile. He's got all the numbers in his favor: more points, more passes, more you know rebounds, more all this stuff, right? And then Doug, you know, Doug Gottlieb, a little bit of a LeBron hater, comes on the TV and says, wait a minute, you got to slow down with the graphic. And here's why. James Harden played in 10 less games than LeBron did. James Harden only played in 72 games. LeBron played in all 82. Okay, well, I'm not going to knock durability. I'm not knocking that. Right. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say somebody, you know, gets points reduced off of being available to me ten more times, right? So, so now, so, 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 two years ago, it was all LeBron. He's just resting so much. He's just taking so many games off. That's just bad for the NBA. It's bad for his team. It's bad for the game of basketball. Dude goes out there, plays eighty-two games, and it's like, oh well, that's unfair. That's unfair. What are you talking about, dude? Everyone gets eighty-two games if you don't play them for whatever reason. How is somebody who? What? A, what a ridiculous, ridiculous argument. If your girlfriend sleeps with you ten more times, are you mad about it? No, you're happy about it. And that's do LeBron James is the same thing. When he's on the court 10 more times, that's good. Terrible. Argument. Now, here's what I know to be true. That LeBron James is the most valuable NBA player on any roster any year since he's been in the, well, 
Probably since his probably third year in the league, right? Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, those okay. first couple okay. of years, you, you, you know what I mean? You're figuring yourself out. You're figuring the NBA out, whatever, all right? But for about 12 years straight, LeBron James has been the most valuable player. He's not the most valuable player even to his own team. I would argue he's probably the most valuable player to the league. And I'll give you a good example on how I know him right. We're in year, what, 16? Going into, yeah. This is year 15. You just put behind him. And every team in the league is tripping over themselves to figure out how to clear cap space in case they can sign him. Teams are doing it. Teams who feel like they got no shot, who are like, yeah, we probably don't have a shot, are still out there clearing cap space just in case. It's one of those things that I understand what the NBA does here. And I agree with you that LeBron's certainly the MVP of, of the association, but like, they have to give it to somebody else. Yes. And that's the thing. It's I like, agree. It doesn't necessarily like. It, it it rings hollow because it's like well obviously this guy deserves it but from the from the perspective of them trying to grow their brand and trying to shine light on other guys if there's somebody that can even make a plausible argument somebody who can even make somewhat of a okay uh, yeah, this guy, they're going to have to roll with it. Yeah, that is true, and I understand what the NBA is doing. This is how you grow your brand, right? This is how you expose other stars. This is how you make sure people want to buy jerseys of other players. I get it. I told, Dude, it's all about commerce. And then again, it goes all the way back to what I'm always saying, is that money's the thing that actually does matter. And this is what they're doing. And I totally get it. But I do believe this is the thing that's changed. And that's one of the things that I'm not sure is all right. Like, didn't Michael win this award like five years in a row? Uh, I don't know how. I don't know what his. I think it's was. something. Cra- I think it's something crazy. Like I and I think I just think it, the world was different then. We wanted one player to be dominant. We wanted one player to be the greatest, and we were okay. But nobody thought. Nobody cared about Brad Doherty. It was like you know what I mean. As long as I know we did. I'm saying nationally, and I'm just throwing a name out there, just to throw a name out there. But like we were all right with Michael winning. We were okay with it. They uh they 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 have to look at their interests as opposed to uh, big picture as opposed to today. Do do fans today do fans today want the dominance? I think still yeah. I think guys would still be like yeah. LeBron was. I think a vast majority of NBA fans would agree that LeBron was the MVP. Player, but if you're yeah. looking at it, if you're looking at it from the we're not looking at today. We as an NBA, we're, our goal isn't isn't the return today. It's the return 10 years from now. And if we can get more names in front of kids who are 12 years old as opposed to just LeBron, 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 okay. LeBron, LeBron, we've got to be able to do that. And, and LeBron and Warriors, LeBron, Warriors, LeBron, Warriors. Now if we can start saying LeBron, Steph, Katie, you know, Harden, now all of a sudden it feels like the NBA of the 90s. It feels like Clyde Drexler's there. It feels, you know what I'm saying? Like it feels like all of a sudden, like, hey, there are other other guys, there is the top dog in the league, but there's definitely other guys who are making things better around him. Okay, yes, but I'm going to refer you now. Not everybody was in this. You and I were in a meeting yesterday, mm-hmm. and one of the words that kept being thrown around in there, we were given credit for this, is authenticity. Is okay. that that's what audiences want, authenticity. And they said to us, look, this is one of the things people love about you guys, is that it's not a show. You are just like legitimately real. And so could I not make the argument? That the NBA audience discerning is saying to yourself, you're not being real about this. You're not being credible about this and that it hurts you in the end. For the most part, I think people want or people will accept manufactured authenticity. And I know that sounds like a just completely like what? But but I think people for the most part will accept it. Do they appreciate you and I because we're real with each other and we're real with them? And yes, 
But like, if you if you can kind of sort of recreate it on a big enough scale, it's like, well, dude, are most people going to discern that much? No, they're just going to be like, all right, it's close enough, whatever. Well, and here's what I think, I and more so, and this is one, this would be one of the knocks I would have on it, is that I think what the NBA knows more than anything, and more than any of this stuff is, is that what they're doing is they're taking a page, and I don't even know how the NFL did it, but the NFL, somewhere along the line, got you talking about the NFL all year long. And the NBA knows. If there's a little controversy in this, what happens? Right. People's not, people, they're not talking about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick's problems on FS1. They're talking about the NBA on FS1, and that's good for the brand. Yeah, I know, I know you've, you've pointed at, at, at the NBA as having a lot of issues recently, but the thing I'll say about it is they make moves and, you can debate on whether was that the right or the wrong thing where it's like baseball is just so stuck with what they do. And so like, you know, where, where basketball is like, all right, fine, we're not number one. Here's how we're going to try to change that. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to take the bat off of our shoulder. Like they're doing something here trying to make it, you know, more relevant. Well, what basketball has definitely done that that I don't believe Major League Baseball has done as well is the NBA has adopted social media better than yeah. I think Major League Baseball. As a matter of fact, I was watching a little bit of the Indians game last night, right? Clevenger gets himself in a little bit of a hole and then he pitches himself right out of it early. I think it was like first, second inning. And he, dude, he, I mean, he, he, he catches the guy looking at, at strike three and it was, it was awesome. And I thought to myself, it's like, dude, I'm one of these guys who talks about the fact that there's not enough action on a baseball field and yet here it is. And it still feels a little unsatisfying. Like that was awesome to see. But it's not quite as good as like a deep three in like the fourth quarter or like a LeBron dunk or something like that. I don't know what baseball is going to do. You are right about that. That the NBA is like, look, NFL is obviously the big dog. But instead of just sitting here going, they're the big dog, nothing we can do about it. The NBA at least takes the bat off its shoulder, excuse the pun there, and like we'll take a swing at it. And you are right about that, and they have gotten better about that. And I think that's another reason why they're all right with James Harden being their MVP is because everybody's hashtagging, you know, the NBA, and that's you know you're getting all the mentions and you're on all the TV shows and you're keeping your brand top of mind, even though your championship series was just a few weeks ago. Uh, like I said, more uh, well, new tour Tuesday coming up at nine o'clock. Uh, a very polarizing sex subject coming up at eight thirty. A raising Cane's gift card at seven thirty, and more Sansbury show right around the corner. Guys, hang on. Morning. The Stansberry Show. Or the god of your choosing. Best morning ever! Kent's Rock Station. Rock 106.9. Yo guys, Fantone from the Stansberry Show here to tell you about the Rollholt Vision Institute. It still happens to me all the time, dude. I wake up in the morning, I reach for my glasses, and all of a sudden I remember, dude, you do not need those. I got 20-20 vision thanks to the LASIK surgery I had done at Rollholt. And I'm telling you, your summertime is going to be so much easier when you don't have to worry about glasses or contacts. So if you've been thinking about LASIK surgery, I know you have some questions, which is why the Rollholt Vision Institute has made everything perfectly clear for you at their website. That is RollholtVision.com. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9 online at WRQK.com. 8.30, we have a pair of incarceration tickets for you. Fantone will be at the new Raisin Canes. That will be this coming Friday in Kent, 2 to 4. To get you uh, ready for that, we'll have a 25-hour gift card for Raisin Canes, 7.30 this morning. I hear it a lot all the time. Sandsbury, you hate everything. You're just a hater. And I don't believe this is true. 
Now nobody wants to believe anything negative about themselves, no. so, right? So, 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 but like I hear this all the time because I don't like certain TV shows or I don't like certain movies. I'm a hater. Well, yeah, you got to remember we're in the the business of opinion here. So your opinion number one is spit out more than most people because like if your dude at work just comes up to say this TV show sucks, I'm gonna be like, dude, we're working. What am I supposed to do here? Right. So like I, I I get why you know you uh you feel like you often have to express these things. Oh, I get, dude, I get it all the time. Okay, I get it all the time. You're just negative. Just hate everything. It's like, no, dude, I did not like the Avengers movies. That's it. That's really all I've ever hated on. And I don't even think I hate it. Dude, I can't even hate it. I didn't even see it. I just do <laughs> I just don't want to see it. I don't care about Thanos. I don't understand it. I think okay. it's dumb. Okay. And so, like, I don't understand it, right? Okay. But everybody just tells me, oh, you hate everything. So every time I find something I like, I'm like, oh, okay, another feather in my cap here. Another, another, because, dude, because, right. again, I feel like I like more than I don't. Now, I know a lot of you don't have Showtime, but if you do, if you should happen to have Showtime, that I have found another show. I'm already done with it. I've, uh, I'm already all caught up. It's, uh, they have two seasons uh, thus far that you can stream, and it's, uh, it's amazing. I, well, all right, let's dial that back down. But, 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 pretty but, good. But, but, but it's pretty damn good. Okay. I've enjoyed it. It's called I'm Dying Up Here, and it's all about the stand-up comedy scene in the early 1970s. And it's a fictional club called Goldie's. You can kind of feel like, all right, they're trying to do the comedy store here with Mitzi. Like, maybe that's what they're trying to do here. Um, you can tell it's definitely borrowed from real stories um, and loosely based on some things that have actually happened. And some you know people who actually went through the store, you can kind of tell that. Um, but it's actually pretty good. Now, this is going to sound weird because the comedy itself is not very good. And so you go, it's show about stand-up comedy. The comedy's not good. How good could the yeah, show be? Yeah, I was going to say. How good could the show be? But you got to remember, dude, it's 1970s. So it's like you're not going to think the jokes that, that are coming from the stage are all that great. And it's not really about them on stage. It's about who they were as people, what's behind it. And it's very, I will say these are words that are not great for television, but it is very slow developing. It is very in-depth long character driven um they take you all the way deep into the characters it's a slow reveal you have to pay attention multiple episodes to figure out the storyline before they reveal it to you it's not like this here's 20 seconds bam pow poo here's five stones i now control everybody everybody you know disintegrates it's actually all about the pen those movies are like two and a half hours long. There's no 20 seconds on any of those movies. Dude, nothing takes 20 seconds. I'm saying the last 20 seconds um, are what matter. What, what, uh, were, these, were these characters, are these based off of like actual comedians or are these just like characters that somebody made? I believe what they're doing is taking some artistic license in some people's stories and saying, yes, this kind of happened back in the day in the scene, so we'll borrow it, but I don't believe it's directly based on anybody. You know, you talk about a show about stand-up comedy that's not very funny and is character-driven. To me, like, I guess... Like I understand why, like the show, like Westworld, at times is like slow and prodding because it's like you have to like. There's an in-depth, like, confusing story to tell. What's what's taking so long to get to these? Well, this, you know what I mean. What I've always said about stand-up comedy is this: is that dude, dude, comedians aren't funny. Like they're they're very rarely funny off stage. Very rarely. What they are is destroyed emotionally. They're, they're they're broken. 
They're they, they dude, and that's what I've always said, dude. No art comes from 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 functional. Jerry Seinfeld's the one comedian that tries to lie and say his upbringing was completely natural, and he has friends who swear it's not true. And there are celebrities who go, Nah, dude, that's just Jerry shining on for the NBC crowd because he thinks that's what they want. But at the end of the day, most comedians will tell you that it all comes from the fact that they had an alcoholic parent, they were in a single parent household, they got beat, they were molested, it was this. It was that. It's always the screwed up thing that happened to you that makes you talented. It's, dude, it is a time old tale. It's why, why do you think they, dude, it's the same reason why lead singers and bands are offing themselves and hanging themselves in hotel rooms. Dude, that stuff doesn't come from what's functional about you. It comes from what's destroyed. It's, it comes from what's ruined about you. And so they're going very deep into the, the tragic figure that is the stand up comedian because that's all they are. Why do you think they want a stage and want countless amounts of strangers laughing at them? It's because when they're alone, they're the only person that's laughing at them is them and probably their parents' voices, and that's why they seek adoration of strangers. And so they're going into all that. It's a very, I mean, it's in depth. And so, yeah, you have to be ready to go into it going, okay, there's going to be a little bit of comedy, there's going to be a little bit of funny on the side here, but ultimately what they're showing me is the human experience. What they're showing me is how a human goes from point A to point C and how they got there. And that it's it's really good. And I just I thought about this yesterday. When I was finishing up season two. I was like, I've enjoyed every single episode of this. And yet I'm constantly told I don't like anything. And it's because man, once you hit forty, you just didn't like anything. And it's like, no, dude, I just don't like mindless drivel. I just don't like things that don't require me to pay attention to it. That I like to be pulled in. That I like a backstory. That I like going in depth into characters. And that spandex isn't going to do it for me. It's just not going to be the thing. But if you have Showtime. And you're into like in-depth television. I'm dying up here. I thought was actually really, really good. Vinny Paul passed away the other day. He had some requests for his funeral. I'm not sure if they did it or not, but I thought it was interesting. So we'll get into that next on Rock 106.9. No, Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We're online for you at WRQK.com. Before the break, we were talking about comics and how they kind of need dysfunction in their life. That's what makes them funny. That's what gives them the lens. That's what gives them the filter to look at the world differently. And find jokes where others do not. It's the dysfunction is what does that. And uh, a guy hit me up. He's like, you know, Jeff Dunham didn't need any dysfunction in his life to be a comedian. He actually wrote his entire book about it. It's like, no. But Jeff Dunham needed a 90-year-old dummy sitting on his lap to tell the jokes. Jeff Dunham's a crappy comedian. I, uh, a little I, dysfunction may have helped Jeff Dunham. I never really did like the Jeff Dunham thing. Of there. course you didn't, dude. He's got puppets <laughs> up there. Because you got a strong comedic, you know, sense about yourself. Of course you look at Jeff Dunham and go, this is stupid. A guy's speaking through me through a dummy. He's not going to say the bad thing. The dummy will say it. <laughs> Here's a good rule of thumb. If you got your hand up the, the ass of a puppet, I'm probably out. Now, unless you got a sock puppet on your hand trying to make you a little four-year-old laugh in bed, whatever. That dude, welcome at home. But I don't need an HBO special about puppets. I don't, I don't need that. But we were talking about that because everybody calls me a hater. Says I don't like stuff. And uh, it's really just the comic book movies I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of. I just don't get them. I just don't care for them. Right? The thing I'm going to say, though, it's not just the comic book movies. Two of the things that you were recently very passionate about, you're just like, yeah, I'm not even a fan of that anymore. That sucks. 
Game of Thrones and uh, Star Wars. You're well, out of both I mean, dude, things. this last Game of Thrones season did get away from them in, okay. in the end of it. It did. It just kind of got away from them. And then the graphics just started to look really bad. The ice dragon was like, oh my God, does this look terrible? Which is kind of weird, right? I mean, like, dude, it's 2018. Why are we graphically not caught up to where we were five years ago? You I know mean, what I mean? Like, why was, how could that, how could we go back? I think maybe it was well done with the CGI. I think maybe it's just it's a fourteen foot ice dragon. It okay. looks ridiculous, and I was like, "Oh, I can't believe this is where we decided to go with it." <laughs> so, so, so regular dragon, all right. I'll cut a break for it. Ice dragon, that's a step too far. Okay, all right. We all have our line. <laughs> okay, yeah. we all have our line. And yeah, I've fallen out of love with the Star Wars franchise because the Last Jedi was terrible. It was piss poor. I like Solo. Everybody thought I was going to hate Solo. I like Solo just fine. Huh? And I'm, dude, I, I circled all the way back around because there's actually a comic movie coming out that I can't wait to see. Okay. Which is the new installment of Ant Man. Like, what the dude like shrinks himself, like Ant Man and the Wasp or whatever. Yeah, that Paul looks Rudd. like that's going to be really, really good. Um, he was the first one that he was in. Yeah, I it was thought, all right. I thought it was pretty all right. Yeah, I mean, right. I, you know, I, I just give all those movies just C's now, and that's all I ever expect out of them is like, you're my second child, where it's like, I don't expect you to get a grade point average over 2.5. That's fine. Just don't fail out, and I'll be okay with it. That's, that's kind of where I am with superhero movies. Dude, what a sad thing for you to say since <laughs> you're the second, second child. child. And so am I, Dick. <laughs> they lowered expectations and you know it. Less you know pictures. It. Less pictures. Less pictures Less for pictures. sure. Less pictures for sure. So we know we lost Vinnie Paul, right? Drummer of Pantera. Now, I said yesterday, and I took a lot of heat all day for I'm it sure yesterday, you did. saying Pantera, I feel like, is overrated. Now, again, I want to reiterate. Overrated, this is what it actually means. Yes, they're good but that society has placed them at a level that's higher than they should be. See, your friend tells you something's overrated, and he means it sucks. And so now anytime you hear the word overrated, you think that's what everybody means. Yeah, Pantera but, does not suck. The thing you love, you're obviously going to be protective of. And if, if somebody said a band that you were just kind of eh, on the fence on was overrated, you'd be like, yeah, maybe they are a little bit. You know but what? since that's you great, have this, you know. That's a great point. It's not necessarily what somebody's saying to you. It's what you're hearing. Right. That's a, that's a, that's a great point. But I don't think Pantera sucks. I just feel like they're a little overrated. I, I equated them yesterday to Queensryche. I feel like everything that was going on when Queensryche was out sounded like heaven by warrant, and Queensryche was still like a little bit of a metal band. And I feel like the same thing's true of Pantera. Everything was like, and then like Pantera sounded like Pantera, so you're like, that's metal. Right. I like Pantera. So I feel like they get credit for being the one thing in a scene that was, that was viable in that sound. No, they deserve credit for that, but I do believe they're placed a little too high. Do you feel like they push the envelope musically? No. Because they're not the first metal band by any stretch of the imagination, but I do feel like they maybe maybe weren't the ones that caused that push from like what metal was in the 80s into what metal became in the 90s. I feel like they at least get, should get some sort of credit there. Maybe just serving the bridge instead of the catalyst. If you were drawing me a better line to who the '90s, who the band was that came after it, maybe I could see what you're saying. I'm just saying the heavier sound that that went from that went from you know a Judas Priest sound into a into like the actual screaming that metal became. Oh, uh, okay, I see what you're saying. Like more down tuned. What led to Corn essentially yeah. is what you're saying that yeah, they are the, the, bri- the bridge to Corn. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Except. This is going to make the same people mad. Okay, they're going to get mad. Dude, Corn is wildly overrated. And I mean wildly. Like, I listen, I tried to listen the other day. I went back and I was like, dude, maybe you're wrong on this. And so I went back and I listened to a bunch of old Corn. It does not hold. It does not hold up. 
the hits hold up because welcome to how hits work. Now, this is maybe true of most bands, but like their catalog is atrocious, really. I mean, it's just like, dude, some of that stuff is just like god awful bad. And it just doesn't hold up for this day. It was, it, dude, Corn was perfectly time stamped where they were. Yeah, and I never went with them past where I needed to. I think it was three or four albums in, and I was like, you know what? We're done. This is good. We're done. This is where it now, needs to end. For when me. that tour comes, because it's coming soon, right? It's them and somebody else pretty great, right? It's, uh, they're coming this year, I, I think. And it's them and it's like somebody else really good, I think. And that show would be great. It would be good to go to, because again, they're going to give you the hit parade. And that would be awesome. But I feel like corn. So, yes, I take your point that that's what kind of like led into that. But I and they deserve credit for it. It's just I'm going to give you less credit than than most people would because the end, the end result of what we got wasn't all that good. So, like, I didn't necessarily need it. But I feel like Pantera is pretty good. Now, Vinnie Paul, they're good. I just felt like overrated. But Vinnie Paul said earlier on, this is well before he had died was in an interview they were talking about a funeral and like when he died and what should ever happen and vinnie paul said he wanted appetite for destruction played at his funeral he doesn't want a sad thing he wants everybody up and having a good time and he says i'd want people to celebrate what we've done and the fact that we've had a great life i wouldn't want my funeral to be sad sappy thing i'd have the whole album but he points out and again i love this right here i love this because here's a musician you're all telling me has all the credibility in the world, right? Pantera was real, man. Never sold out. Never sold out, man. Pantera, real. That's real. Right? You know the two songs he wanted to play at his funeral the most? What was that? Paradise City, Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah. Welcome to the Hit Parade. <laughs> Welcome to Rock 106.9, baby. Yeah. Welcome to the Hit Parade. The Rock Mother. Because even... The, no, because you know what this proves right here, don't you? This proves that even like musicians want the hits. Because there's a reason why the hits became the hits. It's because they were the ones that were good. There's a reason why 30 years later, My Michelle is a great album song, not a hit. You know why? Because it's not a hit. Paradise City's the hit. Appetite's the hit. And Vinnie Paul, your hero, wants the hits. Everybody always tell me, quit playing the hits. That's insane. That'd be like saying, dude, on Comedy Central, put things on the TV that aren't funny. Just B-sides all day is all we want to hear is just B-sides. And now, you think that's what you want to hear, but it's not. It's, it's not. It's not. It, no, it's not. It's really, it's really, really not. And I found that interesting, but I started to think, what do I want played at my funeral? Like, I don't know. Appetite's a good choice. It is. It's a good choice. It's cover to cover. Not a bad song on it. It's the, arguably, and I think, and for my money, it's the greatest debut record of all time. I mean, it'd be a hard. I mean, it's hard to top appetite, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely. A, um, I guess it's just what kind of vibe are you trying to to have there? I mean, because you're right. If if everyone's drinking, you know, shots out of a bottle um, and smoking cigarettes outside of your casket, appetite would be a great soundtrack for it. I mean, it sounds perfect right there. Well, that sounds like the funeral I want to go to. I went to a funeral, and it wasn't a funeral. I went to a celebration of life. Um, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, and it was very much not what you expected. There was, you know, it was at a restaurant. It was pictures of the guy as opposed to like, hey, come see my dead body, because he was very specific in his in his will of like, hey, this is what I want to happen. I want people, you know, eating chicken wings and I want good music playing and I want that to be what people remember as their last memory of me as opposed to black suits with like classic classical music playing in the background. And it was awesome. Like, I hate to say that. Like, I don't mean to like, oh, dude, it was great celebrating your death. But like, 
it was it was so different than what you normally have. Like it, it was appreciated. It was appreciated by everyone there. I think. Isn't it egotistical to want people to sit around and be sad about Just the be fact? Sad, right? Like, don't you? If, if they're sitting there quietly crying, being miserable, isn't that almost an egotistical feeling? Now, much like your your birthday as an adult. Um, your funeral isn't necessarily about your wishes. It's about the people who are still there. Oh, you I know, disagree. You disagree? I disagree. I think that there has to be some level of like, it's it's like anything else where it's like, nah, dude, I, first of all, you're gone. <laughs> okay, well, all right. Yeah, okay, maybe. I once got into an argument with a woman who lived across the street from us when my dad died. And my father was a member, was a pretty serious member of the community. He had been a minister. Right. He had been in, you know, local government, right. you know, along, you know, a, a, you know, a couple of ways. Had a radio show back in the day. I mean, so people kind of knew who the guy was, right? And um, we, he wanted to be cremated. Did not want to be buried. And so we weren't going to do a viewing where you were not going to be able to see him. Now, we did like a thing at the church, and everybody came. As a matter of fact, it was, I mean, we had to bust people back and forth. It was like a, a whole to-do, right? But like... There was a woman who went to the church who lived across the street from me who was like furious and said to me that, you know, there are people who are going to want to see his body. They're, they're like his congregation is going to want to see this. And I remember saying to her, this is a family decision and I've just made it like we're not doing this. He didn't want this. I'm going with what his wishes were. And I decided to do that. And that was a very unconventional decision. People were upset with me. And, you know, I. You have to make the decisions based because you're the one who's left over there. It's, it's you know, you think that you've got that relationship with your father, and who is this woman to tell you otherwise? Yeah, so I, didn't I, like it. I completely support that. And I think this is one of those things, too, where people would be well served, even if this isn't like a specific will, but like even if you talk to your loved ones in the case of like, hey, what happens if I get hit by a bus tomorrow? What do you want out of this? You want to, you want I your think pin number. <laughs> <laughs> we need the ATM code, dude. Get that thing tattooed. Dude, on the inside of your bum. More Stansberry Show and Roseanne is on the apology circuit. That's next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. That guy knows how to party. Rock 106.9. 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Coming up 9 o'clock. Uh, it's uh, New Tour Tuesday brought to you by the Hard Rock Roxino there. You're getting new Backstreet Boys, new Florida Georgia Line, new Adelitas Way, all part of that. Mitch wrote in is like, dude, look, I'm not a big fan of this band. I'm just surprised you don't normally play them for New Tuesday. Uh, New Tour Tuesday, I haven't heard it yet, and that's Ghost. Uh-huh. And I'll be honest, I'm sure they've had stuff that's been new since the run of it, and uh, I haven't gone out of my way not to play Ghost. I will tell you, I don't enjoy them. I think it's goth for college chicks, but I don't. It's not ever been like I don't like them, so I'm not doing it. I'll give you a perfect example. I hate Sublime, one of my least favorite bands ever. Dude, I would dig that guy up just to bury him again. Jeez. I hate him. I hate them. Just played Santeria. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like it's I, I don't I don't fly the ship by my taste. Santeria, he practices Santeria over there. He's getting it in. Um I, I don't think either one of us are a fan of Ghost, and probably that's the thing, is that like there's probably been times there's been new music and we just like, eh, I don't like them, you don't like them. All right, we're moving on quickly. Do they have a new single or something? Is I, it we're gonna I, get I, it no, on? I don't know. Okay. I think he's just asking. I don't okay. know. That that band is terrible. We'll get them on, I have Thus far, yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe their new stuff I haven't heard is good, but everything I've heard up till now has just been lackluster at best. Hey, surprise, a band that paints their faces up white and uses makeup musically isn't all that good. Who would have ever thought? We've already seen that movie once before. A couple of times before. 
So the apology circuit underway for uh, Roseanne. She went on a uh, podcast, I believe, of her rabbi. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's, you know, out there apologizing over, you know, that that, that last tweet that got her uh, her in some big trouble. Got her show, her will her at least kicked off her show. They're going to do the Connors without Roseanne now. Uh, but she's on the apology circuit. We have a little audio. Let's take a listen to what Roseanne said. It really blows up in your face sometimes when you make a horrible, embarrassing uh, mistake that you know brings shame to your family. Now that's bad, too, and I'm going through that right now. I didn't mean what they think I meant, and that's what's so painful. But I have to face that uh, this hurt people. I definitely feel remorse. I was impaired, uh, you know. But you still, I you, But you still regret and don't excuse what you wrote. Of course. No, I don't excuse it. I horribly regret that. Are you kidding? I've lost everything. And I regretted it before I lost everything. Okay, and that's I, what she needed to say right there. Because what the, what naysayers were going to say is, it's not regret if you, if you just regret the fact that you lost everything. You only regret something you said if... How do I want to say this right? What we're looking for for people when they regret something is to legitimately regret what they have said, meaning that you have thought better of it without anything negative happening to you. Like something comes out of your mouth, you know what, honestly, whoa, what was I thinking? That was crazy, went too far, my bad. Of course you're going to regret it when you get kicked off of ABC. That's forced regret. What I don't want is squad car religion. Oh, my God, I got the, I got the cuffs on in the backseat of the car. Please, God, don't send me to jail. I don't want squad car religion. And I said to God, I am willing to accept whatever consequences this brings because I know I've done wrong. I'm willing to accept what the consequences are, and I do, and I have. So there's the apology circuit. It's already going to start. It's going to go. And we know what's going to happen here. We know the end run here. We know where, where this where this movie goes down the road, and that is with Roseanne being back on television. I was talking about this the other day with NoFX. Everybody's all upset. Oh, my God, I can't believe they canceled the NoFX tour. It's Fat Mike, and Fat Mike just says what Fat Mike says. It's like, well, dude, welcome to 2018 where you can't be that guy anymore. You can't be Roseanne anymore. You can't do that anymore. But what will happen, and this is who the American people are, what you want, you don't, you don't even want people, what you don't, you don't even really want people fired from their jobs. You know what you want? You know what you want, America? You want the power to build somebody up, and then you want the power to tear that down because you want to feel as if you're the one with the power and surprise, and you know, uh, nobody should be shocked. You actually do have it because that's what's happening right now. But what they, you want even more than that is instead of a new celebrity, give me back the old celebrity that I remember, and you love that return from, you know, from, from the pit of hell. You love the redemption story. We love that story in America. My point being is Roseanne's going back on TV. Yeah, eventually. I mean, there's on a long enough you know timetable, it's going to happen. Do you feel like, I mean, was that genuine, a genuine apology? Was that genuine remorse? Was that, I believe, was she real? I believe there are, yes, I believe that there are genuine feelings behind what she feels. And I don't believe that it's just solely the fact that she lost her show. I think Roseanne is one of the few people in Hollywood I think could sustain that. 
and has enough money to sustain. I don't think Roseanne needs the check. Does she have that much money? Oh, I bet Roseanne's got a ton of money. Okay. I, I, just I don't, don't know. I mean, outside of the show, which was wildly successful. Oh, like, dude, her, dude, she had a production company for a while that ran a bunch of the other sitcoms that came on ABC after her. You got to remember that. Like, dude, in that time and day, they just give you executive producer roles over stuff that you have nothing to do with just to keep you happy. I'm willing to bet she's got money. $80 million. That's a lot of money. I mean, yes, it's not like an astronomical. It's not like, oh my god, like mind-boggling. No, Gene, Gene Simmons is worth like four hundred million. Roseanne's yeah. worth like eighty million. So, so there you go. But what I'm saying is, eighty million dollars is enough for her not to have to do the Roseanne reboot if she doesn't want to do it, right? Or to live through them doing the Roseanne reboot without her. Now, I think ABC is going to fall flat on their face with this. One hundred percent. I, I don't understand why you do it. At the end of the day, if you fall flat and the Connors doesn't work, then Roseanne's got all the power, every last bit of it. And sooner or later, somebody's going to put this woman on TV and you're not going to have it. Do you think when she comes back to TV, does the dynamic of what she's doing change? Or does she, yes. does she, le- or does she continue to lean into what she was leaning no, into? I think, uh, no, I no, think, no, no, or at least not as hard. I think, honestly, Roseanne may have been positioned that way. I think this is why, honestly, the ABC execs kind of piss me off because I know why they fired. Dude, the ABC executives didn't fire her because they thought because they thought what she said was offensive. They fired her because they knew you were going to say it was offensive. I've been saying this for weeks. Dude, there's not a CEO alive that wants Twitter on the world. In the world. There's not a single one of them that wants it. They all know sooner or later the protest is coming to them, to their talent, to their product. They know it. They do. The CEOs hate social media. They wish they could all be off of it. Believe me. Right. So what I believe happened is, is they know Roseanne leans a little bit this way. But what do you do on TV and radio? You got to make it a character of yourself. Let's over exaggerate. We'll lean into this. And they positioned her this way. And, they, and, and I believe they caused a crash. Yeah. I mean, they and I think all businesses, especially TV networks, know that like, there is equity in zigging when other people are zagging. Absolutely there's there's right. one there's 100% money money right. to be made. There's money on the table in those situations. And of course, that's why they were like, you know what? Fine. Do it. We will we Mag will roll, roll forward with this. Right. I just wonder if, you know, if Fox picks her up and uh, you know, gives her this platform and she doesn't go as full throttle as people expect her to, is it going to be received as like, well, now you're leaving us, be, you know what I'm saying? You watered it down. Yeah, you didn't. You got in trouble, now you're turncoating. Yeah, that's exactly what I think is going to Well, happen. I think that's why you wait. I, I, I Because, dude, here's the thing. How long had it been since Roseanne had been on TV? 20 years. Right. right? And people were pumped. So my point is, you can wait nine months. I can. I mean, you just hear her crying in this, and you hear her saying, "I did something wrong." I think a lot of the audience that was supporting her want her to be like, "I did nothing wrong. I, I, you're, I'm being persecuted. You're coming after me." I think that's the attitude that they want her to have. Okay, right I now. think that's fair that there is a portion of people. I don't think it's predominantly the whole audience that was excited about Roseanne being back. And I'll point to the woman who works in our building as one of them. Loves Roseanne. Loved that show could care less about politics whatsoever. Doesn't necessarily care about the the fact that Roseanne was leaning right. Just wanted the show back on the air. 
And I think at the end of the day, that's most people who were fans of Roseanne. But she... As, I think the small portion, yes, is going to be upset with I was going to say, but she, as a impartial viewer there, somebody who wasn't there for the political statements, said the show sucked. She you did know not I mean? care for it. So, so I, I think that's the thing, is the people who were truly passionate about that show weren't so much fans of, like, boy, this is great comedy, this is so well-written, this is such, you know... I think she needs to get back to what she, what she was made famous for from the beginning, which is... The show always had a little bit of a political lean, there's no doubt. But what she did was talk about the struggle of alliance, the struggle of Maslin. Can't, that that's what she did, and not necessarily who was responsible for the struggle, but that or that who was going to be the best person to lead you out of the struggle. They stayed out of all that, but they walked you through the day-in and day-out life of the average American, and if she can get back to that... And it can necessar- not necessarily be about, well, Rand Paul's the right guy, or this or that. I think you can win. I think you got to wait a while. I, I think it's-, it's nine months to a year. But I think Netflix will do something with her. I think she could do a show a lot like what... Maybe she doesn't even do- does a situation comedy. I- she could do something as, uh, like a lot of like what David Letterman's doing right now for Netflix. I think you could see her do something like that. I think there's a lot of avenues to somebody who's truly talented and really funny. And I said this the first time around about her. People forget how talented Roseanne really was at the beginning of this. She was a fireball stand-up comedian. She could not be contained by any club. That's why they had to put her on TV. They couldn't do the club couldn't hold her. Like, they like, Legitimately, she was blowing audiences away. And, dude, I don't think you lose stuff like that. That there's always going to be a pit of that in you. And I think it'll come back out. And she's going to get another shot at TV. And this is why it makes me so mad. Is that if if all it is is that we have to waiting period it out and then you're allowed back on TV, then what are we ever yanking people off of TV for? Then what are we doing it for? And you know why we do it? It's not because it's the right thing. It's not because it's the right thing at all. It's because it makes you feel better on Monday, and by the time you forget about it on Friday, we shove them on another network. I said this when it happened. I'll say it again. There's one big winner in Roseanne not being back on her own show, and his name is Tim Allen, because Last Man Standing is going to kill it now because there's nothing else in its own marketplace. Tim Allen just got a huge win. More Stansberry Show and a $25 Raising Cane's gift card up for grabs next on Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We have a $25 gift card for Raisin Canes. We'll pass that out here momentarily. 1-800-243-7625. The number you'll need on those. You can also then join Fantone this coming Friday, 2 to 4 in the afternoon, as he'll be at the Raisin Canes in Kent, their new location. Which, how smart is that? Oh, Put so it in the college town, dude. You're going to rake up. That's actually where I learned to love Raisin Canes was down at Ohio State. If uh, if you have not been to the one in Belden, and for, let's be real, for the first three months that thing was open, it was, you had to fight people to get in there, man. You were throwing people out of the way, punching fools. Like, Still not easy. If you if you have not been there yet, dude, go. It is delicious. Yeah, the chicken fingers are really, really good. Real good stuff right there. One love. Join Phantom 2 to 4 Friday. As he'll be at the new one in Kent. Stansbury with a little, little tagline right there. I like, I like their it, tagline. One the love. one love? I one do. Love. I like it. I like it. I don't know what that is, but the, but it works because I say it every time. They got me saying it. Uh, we made mention of this a little bit yesterday. This is totally selfish. But our, our, right. our buddy Scott from winningfornextyear.com uh, joins us every Monday. And he does so without payment. Uh, he just believes in the show, believes in sports, wants a little exposure for his blog. So we kind of, you know, one hand washes the other there. And so he's like, dude, he's like, I got to cash in a favor. Okay, he goes, you know, he uh, Scott also works for a pretty big bank. I don't necessarily want to throw his yeah. business out there, but he also works for a pretty big bank. Yeah. And he, he's putting something together, and he's like, dude, he's like, I'm putting this golf outing together. 
He's like, and I hate to do this to you, but there's a couple of guys who are playing it and were like, yo, dude, you're on that show every day. Dude, we like him. Dude, make him play golf with us. And so, wow. Like, so wow. Scott so Scott hit me up. He was like, look, man, he's like, this will this will help me. He's like, would you be willing to do that? I was like, yeah, absolutely, man. So like, uh, he invited me to come out and play uh, in his outing that he's putting together. That's uh, this Friday, dude. It's at Legend Lake out there in like Chardon. Dude, I've been looking at the pictures for two days. I can't wait. <laughs> Sounds swanky, dude. I can, oh, it is swanky. It's okay. Yeah, it's obviously All right. swanky, dude. Dude let, me, dude, let me read you some rules. All right, let's hear the golf. Hear Want it. some All rules? Right. Okay. At no time are tank top type shirts, sweatpants, silkscreen t-shirts allowed. <laughs> let's just get this out there. That's not golf courses. That's everywhere, you scumbags. What the hell's the matter with you? That, that's legitimately everywhere. You are not to wear cargo-styled uh, cargo shorts. Again, what the hell are you doing? Slacks with tattered external pockets. Or jeans are not permitted. All shirts must be tucked in unless they are designed to be worn outside. All caps and visors are to be worn forward at all times. Backward hats are prohibited. For the safety of all golfers, shoes must be worn at all times while on the course. You'd be surprised how many do my buddy Jamie plays barefoot all the time. My buddy Jamie loves playing barefoot. Golf shoes with metal spikes are prohibited on the golf course and on the practice here. You guys are going hillbilly style, just taking your shoes off and playing golf. What is going on out there, yeah, dude? Yeah, Schwander will play barefoot a lot. He does. He I, likes it. I went to Walmart in a sleeveless shirt yesterday, and I still feel classier than you fools, dude. What are you guys doing out there? Yeah, well, sometimes Jamie plays barefoot. He swears by it. Just hillbilly style. I think he read one of those David Wolf memes where it's like, if you touch the grass with your feet, you're connected to the earth. And I think he read one of those. It was like, oh my God, I need an avocado. And like, then it became one of those things. That's what I think happened there. I want to move to Florida now. Not physically, no, but like, no. uh, let's move the show at right now to Florida where a group of teenagers, five of them, I understand, are going to avoid jail. And this is interesting. And I, I, I need help figuring out where I am in, in these stories. But five teens, I believe this was Cocoa Beach, Florida had spotted 31-year-old Jamal Dunn. He was struggling in a pond. This was last July. But instead of like, hey, we should probably go help that guy that looks like he's struggling to swim in a pond, they videotaped it, mocked it, and then posted it online. The season finale of, or the series finale of Seinfeld, essentially, is what they kind of live there, right? Look at that. Look at that. Nice recall. Look yes, at that. essentially. So it's about... A minute and a half long, somewhere around there. The teens are heard yelling, laughing, telling him that he's going to drown and that they're not going to help him. So not even were they just watching this like, oh, my God, look at that. They were watching this like, sorry, sucker. Okay, that's an ad- we're, we're talking about something else here. Like yelling at him. So state attorney Phil Archer said in a statement Friday he called the teens callous, but under the law, they cannot be prosecuted. Police said last year that Dunn walked into the pond by himself. They were unsure if he was suicidal, but he said he recently had an argument with his fiance. so probably not too crazy to think maybe. Uh, Dunn's body wasn't found until five days after the incident. Now, look, apparently what is happening here is that Florida does not have the Good Samaritan law, uh, which I don't think anybody could be shocked, right? I mean, welcome to Florida. For those of you that are unaware, we'll paraphrase the, uh, we'll, we'll paraphrase the Good Samaritan law, essentially meaning that if you see somebody in hel- uh, that needs help and you can provide that help, that you are required to provide said help. That you are legally obligated, obligated. To, re- to give that help. Now, I don't love that. I'll be honest with you. I don't love it. I um, Now, there's a difference between looking at a situation that could require help and you not providing it versus 
filming it, laughing at it, calling dumb, saying the guy's going to drown. That I would agree that there are separate that there there are differences in those two things. However, you know how sometimes we'll read like from like Men's Health or whatever, and it's like these advice columns, right? About like if you're a dude who can't get laid, just be ultra confident, man. Right. And what do I always say about that? That if you're not a naturally confident person, that going to confidence is not going to come off as confidence. It's going to come off as cocky. You are going to fail. Well, I feel like the very the same thing could be true here. That if you're not the kind of person who's designed to step up in a moment of need, that if you do it, I think things could be worse. And that I don't think it's fair to require people to do that. Much like when you get on a plane, Fantone, they say, are you comfortable sitting in the exit row? If you're not, and you don't think you can handle this, if something goes down, get up and we'll put somebody else in the seat. I want to be in that row. I hate having somebody else in that seat. I don't trust that old lady. I don't trust that dude right there. If there's anybody who's sitting in that row right there, it's going to be me. So now, like, again, you did pull a kid out of a cheetah pit at the zoo, for Christ's sake. Well, I do want things... I, if if, if if we're in a situation where it's like life or death, I want to have some level of control there. That's why I don't drink on planes. And people are like, dude, I'm going to get hammered for this flight. And I'm like, dude, you're an idiot. What if we need what if we need our senses right now? You can't get drunk on a plane. I don't know. There's a part of me that I want people to help in situations, but I don't know if you should be legally obligated. I don't to think help. you should. I don't think you should. I, it, to me, again, now again, I understand that my freedom is infringed on all the time, right? But telling me I have to do something feels very anti-American to me. I mean, like, at that point, though, like, at what point can I just walk away from stuff? Like, can I just be like, all right, dude, my grandma's a pain in the ass now. My family's not taking care of her anymore. We're just going to walk away. We're, like, I'm, we're not obligated to help. You know what I mean? Like, we don't, ha- I don't, I don't have to pay for her to do that, for, for someone to come take care of her. I don't have to go check on her once a day. I don't have to do any of those things. So when does neglect become a part of this? Because, like, I can't just leave a baby on the ground. If I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm, if I'm walking somewhere and all of a sudden there's a baby, I can't leave that baby there, can I? Responsible for your baby. You're not responsible for another adult. As a matter of fact, that's the whole point of being an adult is that you are responsible for yourself and nobody else should be taking responsibility for you. Like that's like saying, dude, if you're tw- you're 34 years old, but if you get into, if you get into an accident tonight, your parents are responsible for it. I guess I guess there's going to be situations where it's like I said, like old people, young people, is there is there any lines there or is it like nope, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to interject at all. Well, no, I mean, okay, yeah. I mean, let, let fine, we'll make a few lines, but but I like this sounds callous, but if I'm walking down the street and you're being mugged at gunpoint at the ATM machine, it doesn't make me a good Samaritan or a hero to come over there. It makes me an idiot. Well, I think that's the thing, though, because you would be in danger there. Does it make you a good Samaritan if, you know, if, if a little old lady falls in the middle of market and you, wa- and you don't walk out and go help her? You know what I'm saying? Like, I guess I just don't because there are situations where I'm like, no, you should step in here, but you're right. Mugging or where like, even like if somebody's drowning, what if I get pulled in there? Like, what if, what if I'm next in there and this idiot starts, you know, cling, cling on me and I'm drowning. Next. What if you saw in the cheetah pit? Is um, it, uh, this guy's telling me I, I may have misheard you, but Good Samaritan law is that if you attempt to help, you're not held liable. It doesn't mean you must help. No, 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 you're not held. Like if, if if something should happen to you, like if you decide to give somebody CPR and they die anyway, you can't be charged because you tried to help them. That's part of the Good Samaritan law. Yeah, there's multiple layers. There are here. multiple layers to the Good Samaritan law. There and th- it should be pointed out that it varies state to state to state on what th- is covered under their good. It's like gun laws, right? There are certain areas that have a, you know that yes, there are gun laws that apply everywhere, but 
then state to state to state, there are differences. The Good Samaritan law is very much the same thing. It's totally layered. There's also layers of the Good Samaritan law or laws where it is if you are, if, if my friend overdoses on heroin and I call 911, I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be arrested. I'm not going to be. I have it here, as a matter of fact. Choosing not to help. You may have heard of the no duty to rescue rule. It states that an average person is not legally obligated to help somebody in distress. That rule does not apply in all states, and Ohio is one of the 10 exceptions. In some situations, Ohio law will require you to help a crime victim if you can do so without danger, meaning you are required to intervene, not just if you help and something goes side ways you're not you are required to intervene this is a layered thing and it, it changes state to state to state and i don't like these laws much like i don't like hate crime laws i don't want you legislating what i think and i don't want you legislating my inaction and uh, yes i know you're going to be able to throw that quote back in my face what about the inaction of this or this or this i know but i don't necessarily like good samaritan laws and that I think, honestly, you interjecting yourself in, a, in what could be a dangerous situation only increases the victim count. I don't necessarily think you're going to be able to. Most people don't have it in you. Now I know what you're thinking to myself. What about a good guy with a gun rule? Right. That's what you're thinking, right? Okay, well, again, I have said many, 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 many times, I think most of you who think you can step up in that moment can't. Well, but what about this? 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 Okay, so fine. You don't have to put your arm into the water to help this guy out, but you can call 911 instead of standing there mocking him, right? I mean, is there, is there, is there a line there? Is there... If, if they had called 911 and then went on filming it, I would actually have no problem with what the teens did. It's the fact that they didn't even call somebody who could help him. So should you be obligated to there? No. No. You're either free or you're not, bro. And forcing me to intervene into somebody else's life is, 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 is and again, I understand my freedom is infringed on multiple places. But again, if, we're, if everybody wants to talk about how we're free, you're free, you're free. And I keep telling you, no, you are not. You are just sold the illusion of your freedom. So you stay in line and don't revolt. It's what the whole thing's all based on. But I do not believe we should require people to insert themselves in situations they are not prepared for. More Stansberry Show. Let's pass out this Raising Cane's gift card, though. Again, join Fantone Friday, 2 to 4, at Raising Cane's new location in Kent. We'll give you a $25 gift card so you can do so. Take caller 20 right now, one 800 243-7625. If you don't want to exercise, I got good news. You're allowed not to anymore. The world has found the perfect excuse for you never to lift anything heavy. That's next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. Rock 106.9. This report is brought to you by UMA Office. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Incarceration tickets up for grabs coming up at 8.30. That show July 13th to the 15th. And then 9 o'clock is New Tour Tuesday, New Backstreet Boys, Florida Georgia Line, Adelie This Way, all part of that. Exciting. I like Adelie This Way. I'm a fan of that band. Um, Florida Georgia Line uh, must be a new album out. I feel like this is the, the second or third time we've heard from them recently. Yeah, did just do, I, I mean, this one's called Simple, but I thought we did Colorado from them. Uh, here's the thing. Florida Georgia Line, they got some songs. They got some hits. So, like, it's they all know, right. We can get them in there. They but know what they're doing. Yeah, they, they, know how to, they know how to make a pop or a country record. All right. I believe what's happening in this article. <laughs> I don't even know, but I bet it's going to piss you off. <laughs> it's not pissing me off, but it does it does tickle me a little bit because Okay. What do I always say about the human being? It will look to self-victimize any chance they get. Mhm. In any avenue. It's not my fault. No, no, no. That person was mean to me. Yeah. It's not my fault. My boss doesn't pay me enough. No, no, no. It's not my fault. I'm fat. This tastes good. Yeah, circumstances. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. It's never your responsibility. That's what we do. 
And this is about exercise. Okay. Now, again, I've been doing a little bit better about this. Um, if I'm going to, if I'm going to call other people out, then I need to call myself out as well. All right. So I have been going to the gym pretty consistently. If I'm being honest, the last few times I've been, I have not worked out as hard as I should have. Like I have gone to go, but I've kind of, I kind of went through the motions and didn't necessarily push as hard as I should be, given the fact that I've seen some results. Now you gotta actually like amp it up higher. I haven't really kicked it up that extra notch that I should be. I think expectations are always gonna set happiness here, and like if you expect this constant state of. It's always going to be, you're always going to get the results you got the first month. It's not true. It's not true. It's just simply not going to happen. Of course you're going to. And like, the fact is now it's just the maintenance of like keeping something going because, you know, any diet, any exercise plan, any, anything is easy to do for a week. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, I'm not seeing the same results, but I know it's a positive thing. Challenging yourself to like keep that going. It's a tough thing to do. They say 80% of people um, stop an exercise program within the first year. My guess is that 60%, I'm guessing here, but I guess 60% would be in the first three months. I don't know if this is true or not because I read it from John Cena's Twitter, but what I heard is... Can't even see there's Twitter. <laughs> anytime you, anytime you start something new, within the first 50 hours of doing it, you're going to want to quit every minute. You're going to be like, no, this is stupid. I don't want to do this anymore. It's not working. That sounds right. Every minute. That sounds right. Every minute, you're going to think to yourself, ah, just quit. Just quit. Just quit. It's once you get over that 50-hour hump, all of a sudden, dude, what was new and hard and difficult is like challenging and like all of a sudden it's, you know, it's... it's it's it's, it's Daunting. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to just like, ah, I'm not going to do this. It's still a challenge, but like it's something you want to do. So wise words from John Cena right there. So a woman reached out to like a trainer and some physicians about exercising she goes look i get in, something happens she goes i get hives on my in the back of my legs when i work out too much okay and so then they write back to her and say look it's basically you have an allergy to exercise <laughs> okay here we go allergy to exercise all right i want to hear about it now half of you in your car went <laughs> that's what I me too man and I said it like that because you're screaming over the donut that's in your face about how you're allergic to, to exercise no you're not and it affects about 2% of the population but yes certain people with sweat can you know this can happen it's not they also then go on here's what you can do make sure you're wiping your legs off in between working out this and that they don't tell her not to work out you're gonna die lady you can't ever that's work out again essentially it but people now are going to, but this is one of those things that will get shared all day today. See, I'm allergic to it. Not only do I have thyroid issues, but now I'm allergic to working out too. What am I supposed to do here, Dude, Stansberry? The excuses I hear from people on why they're fat, and I used to say them, and that's what makes me so mad about them, is that I, when I hear you say them, I'm hearing me. And it's one of the reasons why I got back into it. I heard a guy named Jocko Willenick. He's a uh, like an ex, I think Navy SEAL or mm-hmm. something like that. He's like one of those kind of guys. And his whole thing is discipline creates freedom, meaning you do what you have to do so you can do what you want later. And so, like, y- you limit yourself. You don't eat the thing you want to eat. You do work out when you don't want to, and you do all this stuff. And I heard him on a podcast, and he was talking about how when people make excuses on why they don't go to the gym, and he's like, they just sound like five year old idiots. I don't want to. It's hard. I'm not good at it. And it's just, he's like, you sound like a kid. You sound like a kid who doesn't want to clean his room. And I remember I was sitting on my couch going, oh my God, he's so right. I make excuses on why my life is the way it is versus just doing what I should do. 
and I got back into it, and this is what I'll tell you, is that, yes, I plateaued physically, meaning, dude, I've lost the weight, and now I'm kind of like in maintenance zone. You can still lose more, but ultimately, dude, your body's not going to do it a ton now because it already burned the first 35 pounds off of you, and so now you're like kind of plateauing out. That if this is happening to you, what you then have to focus on on is the mental aspect of, of what the gym is giving you. And I've talked about this. I'm an anxiety-ridden person. And when I work out four days a week, I'm not. That a lot of that anxiety you think you have, it's just idle hands. It's just boredom. It's just wound and I don't know what to do with this. You, you, the, the world is designed, go, 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 go. So your brain's in go, go, go mode. And then you're sitting at home on the couch and your brain's like, dude, what are we doing? Why are we sitting down? Why are we not doing things? Why aren't we on the go? Why aren't we doing things? And then you think, oh my God, I have anxiety and that's why my life isn't the way it is. No, dude, you just need to do pull-ups. That's it. Just work it out. Now, yes, anxiety is a real condition. I can hear the people who are taking you know, the pills for it right now. You don't get me. No, no, no. You don't understand. I'm saying the people who have self-diagnosed themselves as having anxiety, you don't. You're just fat and out of shape, and your brain is like, dude, give me movement. I have anxiety, a thyroid issue, and I'm allergic to exercise, Sansbury. You don't get me. You don't. Nor would I want to. You sound horrific, and I don't want to understand you. If you're fearful of the Trump administration, don't worry. Alex Jones says it's almost over. I'll give you that next on Rock 106.9. Uh, yo, guys, Fantone from the Stansberry Show here to tell you about the Rollholt Vision Institute. It still happens to me all the time, dude. I wake up in the morning, I reach for my glasses, and all of a sudden I remember, dude, you do not need those. I got 20-20 vision thanks to the LASIK surgery I had done at Rollholt. And I'm telling you, your summertime is going to be so much easier when you don't have to worry about glasses or contacts. So if you've been thinking about LASIK surgery, I know you have some questions, which is why the Rollholt Vision Institute has made everything perfectly clear for you at their website. That is Rollholt Vision. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We have incarceration tickets. 8.30, we'll pass those out. Also, one of the most polarizing sex questions I've ever asked the audience. I've got some answers. 8.30, we'll get into that as well. Nice. And then 8.45, geez. I, uh, a media brethren Yeesh. found himself in a little bit of trouble. Yeesh. And uh, I believe there were red flags and warning signs that this may have been coming down the pike for a while. I feel like if you go back and check social media timelines, there was plenty of hubris and uh, in the tweets of this said person that I feel like having been in this industry for a while and seeing the new generation of it come up, that it's from the blog world that I was like, dude, this is too much, too fast. This is going to go off the rails. And uh, sure enough, it had. And uh We'll take an examination of that coming up at 8.45. Every time I talk about the president, I worry just a little. He's polarizing. And not in a good way. No. I mean, normally, like, LeBron's kind of polarizing, right? But people will hang on to your word when you're talking about him because they want to hate on LeBron a little bit. Where people who have Trump exhaustion just have have just that, where it's like, we're out. Yeah, Coke or Pepsi is polarizing. Uh, Trump's something different. It is something Some different. Bit. Something different. And I believe it's making everybody act crazy. It's making you and I act crazy, you know, uh, you know, meaning just, you know, everyday Americans. It's making the political structure act totally crazy. You got... Maxine Waters out there, you know, telling people, yeah, get in people's faces. And then, you know, the other side response, Harris Sanders response is like, yeah, get in people's faces, which is insane. 
I don't care who the person is. I don't care what we're talking about here. Of Like, oh, well, he worked for the president, and I really hate the president. Dude, harassment is against the law. You can't just go up into an establishment and start screaming at people, start booing people, start shouting people down, dude. I, if, if, if I, as a Cavaliers fan, see somebody wearing Warriors gear, and I start going up to them at their table, you know, and, dude, oh, LeBron James, best player ever, dude, Warriors suck, blah, 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 dude, I'm getting kicked out of there, I should be arrested. The, now, now, the thing is, you are right. But the thing is, and why this, why people feel this is different, Fantone, is that the resistance movement tells you that if, much like the Good Samaritan law, that if somebody's wearing the MAGA hat and you don't do anything, that you're complicit, that, 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 that you're allowing it to happen, which I think is crazy. I mean, I understand the argument of, you know, inaction is acceptance. I understand what you're saying there, but you don't get to harass people because of that. That's the truth. Fine. If you want to be against them and you feel like you need to do something, there's plenty of opportunity for you to do something. You cannot just start screaming at people in the middle of establishments. It's not, it's not, how, it's not how society works. Well, there's a celebrity that deals with this all the time. As a matter of fact, Trent Reznor just called her out the other day. Taylor Swift gets shamed over this constantly because she won't step up and take a side. If you feel like that's where your personal line is, is, hey, you know, silence is complicit. Fine, if that's what you think, but that doesn't give you the right to harass people. I agree. And I think Taylor Swift has all the right in the world to just sit by idly and go, you know what? I'm just not a political person. Now, if you feel like, well, then she's supporting the president. I do not support the president. Therefore, I will not listen to Taylor Swift music. Fine. That's on you. Or if you feel like she should be supporting the president, she doesn't do it vocally. I am not going to listen to Taylor Swift anymore. That's fine, fine. too. You can do whatever you want with your listening habits, but you don't get to, you don't get to scream at somebody in the middle of a restaurant. Well, this is that, that's a great point, and, and that's the point I like. Which is people will say, you know, it's my right that that if she doesn't do what I want, then I have the right not not to boycott or not listen. Right, oh. that's my right as American. Yep. Right, but Taylor Swift has that right too. She has the right not to be a political person if she doesn't want to be. As a matter of fact, that's how I like my stars. And you know, keep this politics out of this stuff. Taylor Swift's doing it, and now everybody's mad at her for keeping politics out of stuff. It's hilarious. Don't ask people what they want. They're going to tell you what they think they want, and then they get it, and they don't want that. Now I bring this up because. There is somebody out there. Now, it's Alex Jones. <laughs> okay. All right? So you like, and, and that's just it. You have to temper what Alex says by telling people it's Alex Jones because he's Alex Jones and he's nuts. He actually just turncoated on one of his best friends, Joe Rogan. And Joe Rogan has said many, 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 many times, I disagree with what a lot of what Alex says, but you guys don't know Alex. I've, he says, I've known Alex since 1999. He's a really good dude, really smart dude, knows what he's doing, knows he's an antagonist, plays into it, but ultimately, at the end of the day, he's not crazy. He's pretty level-headed, and he's like, Joe's been, like, dude, I've done drugs with Alex. He's like, I know Alex on a way none of you are ever going to know Alex, and that he's actually a pretty decent dude. But I guess I'll have to paraphrase here because I don't I didn't actually watch the episode, but Joe Rogan kind of got the back of George Soros on something. Like he yeah. kind of said, like, look, you know, people, you know, have a, a misconception of what, who and what George is, and so then Alex went crazy. Yeah, he said George Soros is not a Nazi, which is true because George Soros would have been 15 at the end of World War II, so therefore you couldn't have. Well, I mean, him. we have new Nazis. Well, he was saying no, no. He was saying that he was an he was in World War II as a as Nazi. a Nazi. Yes, oh. that's that, oh. that's what he's oh. saying. Okay, he's an had, SS officer. I had I had misunderstood Alex's original point of what George. Yeah, no, no, no. That's crazy. Age will tell us that. Like we have timelines, we have birth certificates, we have stuff. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, that's crazy. But Alex Jones has gone on Twitter 
And for those of you that are fearful of Trump and, oh, my God, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And, and I will ask you, and I've asked everybody who tells me all the time what a big problem Trump is. I always say, no, 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 don't talk to me about border kids. No, 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 don't talk to me about this. No, 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 don't talk to me about that. How has your life been negatively affected? And you don't know what everybody always tells me? Well, it hasn't. Okay. And that's all I ever say is like, then maybe, then maybe the hysteria not so warranted with the president. Maybe not as much hysteria then. If your life, that's my whole thing, right? But for those of you that are fearful of the Trump presidency, Alex Jones says, don't worry. It's almost over. We're almost out of the woods. Alex tweeted this, I believe, June the 24th. So two days ago at 8.19 p.m. Sources close to the president have confirmed reports that President Trump's primary goal is to not run for re-election in 2020. He wants to finish the job in just four years. So a couple of things here. I do believe Trump's the kind of guy who would say, eight, I'll get it done in four. I, I do, right? Like, we've seen him say things along those lines. Yeah. The greatest, best people ever. I can do it. Trade wars and, are easy to win. So, <laughs> yeah, that one. And so, like, I can, I, I can see him saying this, and, and wanting it to be done in four years. There are also people who had made the claim, and I was kind of one of them early on, that said, I don't even think this guy really wants to win. I think he just wants to run. And that once he won, he was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to run this country. Like I think I, So I could see him maybe going now, like, dude, get me the hell out of this. Yes. I mean, what an exhausting job that would have to be, whether regardless how you feel about the president, um, just constantly having to put out fires, some of them self-inflicted. But nonetheless, you are just constantly dealing with headache. Um, I can definitely see how you wouldn't want to do it again. Um, I don't necessarily buy it, though. I, I I don't think at this point hubris allows you to do that. I was going to say, so you're thinking what's happening now is ego has taken over, and now he wants the other four years. Ego and the fact that it's not out of reach anymore. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, it's not. He could very well win another term, and to continue that legacy into the history books, what went from somebody who was, you know, Hey, I, my parents have money into now I'm a, 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 a Wall Street tycoon to now I'm a celebrity apprentice reality star into now I'm the president of the United States of America. It's a good rundown. Hard, hard, hard to get you off of, of, of where you were. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't see him giving up that 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 peak. It's not an easy thing to give up that much power, I would imagine. Now, we have seen it, right? Like, how many sitting presidents have decided? I mean... LBJ decided not to run for another term, right? Yeah, there's been plenty of presidents who were like one and I'm out. Yeah, I I don't think I I, so it's not necessarily rare, but once I mean, I can't remember the most recent one though. Well, decided not to run for a second term or lost re election. No, losing re election can happen. That that's gonna happen to people. I'm saying no no no, I'm not going to run again. Or I'm not going to seek the party's nomination. I I believe LBJ, but I can't. I don't know who the most recent one would have been. Yeah, I mean, because Jimmy it, Carter lost, George H. W. Bush lost. Those are losses. That's different. Yeah, deciding to do it is something different, and I think it plays bad in for the audience, and it definitely plays bad with your party, right? Well. If he decides not to run, what happens there? Because if he gets impeached, and I've talked about this for a long time, if he gets impeached, there's going to be a major, major problem in the country. And whether it's justified, regardless what the facts are, regardless what happens, if that were to happen, there will be a major problem in the country because there's going to be so much 
frustration and so much I feel like I got screwed out of something as somebody who supports the president where mm-hmm. that's going to be an issue but if he comes out and says hey I did it I think his 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 truest supporters are like yeah you did regardless what happened you were the best ever and that proved it and now we're done I I, I, I don't know I think hubris may be the reason why he pulls up in four years and doesn't go over the eight see your theory is needs it needs to have the next four right and that's what's going to lead him there I think it's also possible that people close to him could be saying, look, dude, you may get in and out of this without screwing up a whole lot for for, for, for the kind of person you are and the kind of tweets you have. And again, dude, the, the, the tweet about Maxine Waters last night was awesome. I mean, it's not presidential, but it was awesome. I'll find it. We'll get back into it a little later in the program. But it, when I read it, I was like, when I read it, I was on my couch and I, and I actually, I was chuckling out loud and I said out loud, this is my government. Like, dude, that's how crazy the tweet on Maxine Waters was last night. Now she's a psycho and that woman should be removed from power. She's a complete and utter nutcase, total psycho. Maxine Waters is a total loser. So I like, I, but it's, you still don't tweet certain things. But I do think it's possible that people could say to him, look, dude, you have disrupted this entire country with the way you tweet, the way you talk, the what, what you do. And yet you may avoid massive catastrophes here. But if you go back for another four, do you? I mean, we still got two years in front of us, so it will be interesting to see what happens. Oh, plenty but, can change. Sure. But but yes, I take your point there. I think it's very po- I think it's very possible you could lure him into you can get in and out of this without being shot, essentially. Not physically, but you know what I'm saying. And I think that, that that you could appeal to his egotistical nature in that regard as well. I think that is possible. We do have incarceration tickets, and we do have a very polarizing sex subject. We'll do both. That will be next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. All right. I like it. I like it a lot. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Online at WRQK.com. You'll have to apologize. I'm uh, typing back a message to our good buddy, Mark Munch Bishop. Munch on Sports uh, joins us every Friday at 7 o'clock. He's uh, going to be in the Akron area today. He's asking me where he should have lunch. So I'm responding back, telling him that. And he didn't just ask, where should I have lunch? Homie, three. G-Force, I'm going to be in Akron. Where do I eat? <laughs> Homie, I'm going to be down in Akron. Where do I get the fiddles? <laughs> That's Munch right there. I don't know much. I don't know if Akron has a Slavic village. I don't know. I don't know what to. I don't know what to tell you about that. I know that's where you feel most at home, but I don't know. I told him Luigi. That's what I told him. All right. I uh, well, I want to be careful because uh, you know I know a lot of you are just getting your day started, and I don't want to freak anybody out. Okay. We're gonna talk a little, a little sexual here, and I, I, I just, I somebody sent this meme to me. And I didn't think anything of it. I was like, all right, well, you know what? I'll post it up at Facebook.com slash Stansberry Show and see how people react to it. Get the, the audience reaction. I don't, not necessarily up for me. I just, you know, find out what people think. And I am interested to know what goes on in the Fantone household over this. Okay. Um, I know Fantone a little bit better than, you know, some of you, obviously. is that, You know, I hear everything he says. Some of you just, you know, kind of pick and choose. So I've had some insight into the Fantone household, and uh, it's a strange place. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a strange place. It's essentially the house of the rising sun over there. There it is. <laughs> it's, a, it's essentially the house of the rising sun over there. And so somebody sent me this meme. I posted it, and I got some uh, I got some listener comments on it. And uh, I'm interested to see where some of the uh, you know other audience members may be. 
But in the art of lovemaking, the sex there, toe sucking. Yes or no? Are we sucking on toes? And I am not a feet person. I don't mind giving a foot massage. I would prefer you have a layer of something on over the skin of it. I would not much. I don't want to even touch my own feet. I don't really care for feet. Okay, so you're like even in a non-sexual way, not 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 going to necessarily want to rub feet or anything happy to like rub that. the feet. I would prefer there not be bare feet while I'm doing it. Okay, I will do it. I understand it's part of my job as like a boyfriend. Yeah, I was gonna say I it's mean, part of the job. It, I get it. A, a foot rub with a sock on. It's like sex with a condom, where we can be like, yeah, it feels good. It does. It it, it does. But I had sex with a condom on Friday night, and I'm so happy I had it. Right. I don't want you to get. I don't want you to get AIDS either. But at the end of the day, we all know, you know, it's considerably better without. I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. I have so much sex with condoms that I that I don't know. But I've I've heard that. I, I I've never been one of those guys. I feel like it's not that big of a difference. But I, I I do take your point. But I'm not just I'm just not a foot person. However, I have had toes in my mouth. That this is one of those things that I don't necessarily want to do, and would probably prefer not to do. However, if I care about you enough. And or, and this is probably more likely, if you're hot enough, I am going to do this. But it's not going to be a, like, I don't have a foot fetish. Now, I do have a shoe fetish. I am obsessed with women who wear nice shoes. And if if a woman spends money on shoes, I love that. And I can tell, and I know brands, and I know styles, and I kind of know that stuff. So when I see a woman wearing really nice shoes, I have always maintained that if a woman takes really good care of her feet, she probably takes really good care of her vagina. I don't know if that's true or not. It's just a it's, it, dude. It's a system I heard years ago. I have gone with it, and it is it has been true every time I've ever you. looked. Yeah, it has worked for me. So I do have a little bit of a shoe fetish, not necessarily a foot fetish. Are you a toe sucker? Um, it's not necessarily what I'm going for. So, like, no, but I'm not opposed to it at all either. I mean, like, if my girlfriend wanted it to happen, I would do it wholeheartedly, have zero issue with it, and not be turned off by it at all. But the fact that she doesn't, it gives me no gratification. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's where it is for us. It's not that, like, oh, gross, dude, I would never do that. It's just, like... That's not that's neither one of our things. So there's no reason to do it. Would you would it be is it dependent on how on when the last time the feet were like washed? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to be like, hey, you know, you've been walking around hillbilly style like Sansbury's golf buddies just walking around barefoot. Throw, throw that thing in my mouth there. Poor Jamie. Of course, you're going to want it to be cleaner and manicured and, you know, taken care of and stuff like that. But because I've heard this. And I got to wade real carefully here. Um, I've heard a similar theory about tonguing another unpopular area on okay. a body. Okay. Um, and people have said, look, if, if, if you come right out of the shower, I would do it. But if you but outside of that, I'm not. But to me, at this point, you're putting I mean, like, in, like unless your, your your partner's asking you to do these things, it's like if you have to put, well, these are these are the terms and conditions of it. You really aren't that into it, because if you were like a foot liquor, you'd be like, no, dog, I don't care. I'm not, you know, this is what I'm into, you know, so. Well, you, but clean feet could be part of the fetish itself. 
So, yes, I, I do take your point that I think the people who have an insatiable love of licking toes are like, I don't care. I don't, Give me the jam. I'm licking. They probably want it dirtier. You know what I'm saying? They probably want it to smell. They probably want that, you know, that, well, that, 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 like, sweat on it. I'm not sure that's true. You and I, and most men, pretty big fans of the vaginal area. You don't want it dirtier. You don't want it smellier. Yeah, but I think feet have something. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure you like, you know, pedicured stuff, too. But I think feet have that dirtiness, that taboo to it anyway, so I wouldn't be surprised to find out that, that f- true to heart foot fetish, you know, enthusiasts, they're a little bit, they're, they're grimier than most. I wish I knew where fetishes came from and like how people tick that way. Like what makes somebody a toe person and me not? I do know, and I've read this online, so I guess it's how much do you really know anything, um, but there's a, a direct relationship between STD rates throughout history and foot fetishes shortly following thereafter. So when chlamydia, so when chlamydia was running rampant through Eastern Europe, people started to have foot fetishes. People like it would it would the interest in feet would would start to grow at that point to avoid STDs. So ah. at this point, the AIDS epidemic is what is what I'm kind of reading about right here. And they talked about feet being shown in pornography. Now, obviously, after the AIDS epidemic, VCRs and things like that increased the ability to to have pornography. But they compared the the pornography that was showing feet prior to the AIDS epidemic versus after the AIDS epidemic, and it skyrocketed. It just right through the roof. Huh, I would have never thought of that. I uh, so I posted this at Facebook.com/slash Sansbury Show. It's been out there about 24 hours, if not longer. And it's pretty much split. Like 50-50. Th- there are a lot of toe suckers out there. Katie writes in and says, I bet Stansberry's answer is yes. Donnie then replies and says, that's up there with his dental floss. You know he does it. <laughs> and then uh, you know, then replies, yep, he's totally a toe sucker. I'm not. I mean, I have. I have definitely. I dated a girl once, and she had a serious shoe fetish. Like, I believe the one time we counted, she had like 350 pairs of shoes or something like that. That was, that was just heels. That wasn't even tennis shoes. Like, she had a serious shoe fetish. We buy them all the time. And so she loved her feet. And so it we became a thing. And again, she was like an 11 on everybody's list. So I was like, yeah, dude, stick them in my mouth. I guess that's the way that goes. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, if you're looking at them as your partner of like, hey, we're going to have a good time. Uh, if she wants them in your mouth, throw them in your mouth, dog. Like, it's not my cup of tea, but if that's what it, if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Yeah, I mean, you got to do what you, you got to do a little bit of what you got to do to make your, your partner happy. I would never like, you know, um, I would never like totally waffle on what you think is okay and no not. You know what I mean? Don't move your personal line. But if you're if you're all right with it and that's what they want, do it. It just it wouldn't be the first thing I would think of to be like, oh, this is sexy. Um, but I can admit that having had my toes in somebody else's mouth, it is one of those uncomfortable yet pleasurable feelings all at the same time. It's like hitting your funny bone. It's like it's kind of feels strange, but at the same time, it's like ooh, that kind of feels good. <sighs> Yeah, but what I'm gonna say about that is feet in my mouth well before I put my foot in somebody else's mouth. Like, really? Yeah, really. I don't know, dude. There's something about like, I mean, my feet aren't gross, but like, I don't know, they're not good either. So like, nah, yeah, I don't necessarily want that. You would think that that if that's your line of thinking that your feet aren't gross, but they're whatever, that that would mean that you would be less likely to put somebody else's feet. You're, what a strange way to approach that, huh? Really? More likely to put toes in your own mouth versus your toes in somebody else's. Correct. Mouth? Man, Fantone's an onion. You just got to keep peeling it back layer by layer by layer. Incarceration tickets up for grabs. That show July 13th through the 15th. We'll get you hooked up right now. Take caller 20, 1-800-243-7625 on those. A fellow media brethren. 
is in some serious trouble. We'll examine that next on Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We have a pair of Honor Fighting Championship tickets. We'll pass those out around 9.45 this morning, nearing the end of New Tour Tuesday. We'll pass those out. Also on New Tour Tuesday is new Backstreet Boys, new Florida Georgia Line, new Adelitas Way, all part of that. Adelitas Way is this band. Um, they've been out there for years, since around 2008-ish, I believe, is when they um, started to like hit the scene. Um, I remember the label sent me something years and years ago when I was a music director, and I remember thinking, yeah, it's pretty good. And then I was just hanging out with a girl not that long ago, and she was like, hey, you work in rock radio. I'm surprised you don't like this band. And I was like, I just don't, I don't know them very much, you know? And so we just spent the afternoon hanging out at the house, and she, you know, pulled up the iHeartRadio. We listened to all the albums, and I was like, "Man, I like a lot of these songs. Like, I like this band." Isn't that such a freeing moment when you, as an older person, and someone's like, "Hey, have you heard this band?" You can just say, "No, I haven't." When like ten years ago, I would have had to have been like, "Yeah, dude, yeah, I know that band." Well, it's twofold. Yes, I have done that a million times in my life. Of well, I don't want to be uncool. Right, I better tell them I've heard. I better, that band. I, I, I better tell them I know this thing. But more often than that, what I do is, have you heard it? Yes. So somebody will stop talking. <laughs> Shut up. Have you seen? Yes. yes. Of course, idiot. I have the internet. I've seen the meme. You don't have to show it to me. Lou, where do you see this video? I know. The monkey throws something. I got it. Right? So I have done that a ton in my life, too. Yes, I've heard of that band. Please stop talking to me about it. I have done that many, many, many times. But yes, it is. I feel like there's, finding new music you like and enjoy listening to is one of my favorite things in life. It is one of my one of the most pleasurable things. Like when you go from I've never heard this song before to listening to it fifty times in a row. It's one of my favorite things life has. I love that. So we'll find out if any of these three songs can be that song for you coming up nine o'clock, and uh, we need to thank the Hard Rock Roxino for that. All right, a couple of things here. Freshmark. We know made the headlines the other day. Uh, like some hundred, I think it was 107 people, of, if memory serves, were uh, rounded up there. Like, hey, you work here illegally. That's not allowed. So they've been fined for you know that and a couple of other infractions. It turns out the fine shakes out to be just under two hundred twelve thousand dollars. Now I know that's a lot of money to me, you, and Fantone. That's a lot of money, right? But to a company, I don't think that's a ton of money. It's not any money. So if if there's no incentive to stop doing it financially, then why are they going to do it? Now, you got to remember here, this these fines are not just strictly due to having illegal workers there. There was a guy who got killed in one of the machines. There was a dude who lost a finger in one of the machines. And I think there was somebody who got like serious arm damage because he got his arm stuck in like a ham slicer or something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've said to people uh, in my tenure here uh, um, in Canton, people have said, man, I kind of need a job or whatever, this and that. And I, they were hiring once upon a time. And, right. I, and I just said to somebody, and I didn't know anything about them. I don't have any relationships with anybody over there or anything. I just said, oh, yeah, I mean, I heard through the grapevine, maybe this. And like people just started telling me some stories. I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, if you don't want to go do that, I guess I could see it. So not only was it a dangerous work environment, I think all those things happened within a year of each other. Like I think it was from like December 2016 up until when this recently happened. So like close enough. Year and a half. Yeah, not not even a full two years that those three things happened there. But not only is this an unsafe working environment, it's got a hundred plus illegal people working in their factory. Why would I ever change anything? That's what people get so pissed about is like, oh, these workers, these people, look at these people. They're over here taking our jobs. Dude, the companies who you should be pissed at here, they're the ones who are making this all possible. They're the ones who are giving this job. Well, I mean, you, yes, there is a legitimate point in that, but this is a kick the can thing. 
Because, dude, if you keep kicking the can, it's like, well, who's really to blame? Where the, is the chicken? Is it the egg? Because is it the is it the policies of the nation of what you have to pay certain people? And is it this and this? And so, like, are you creating black market systems by unfair business practices? You are running an unsafe environment hiring people you are not legally yeah, allowed that's to not hire. Great. I'm pointing at you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, corporation. I'm pointing at you with this. I one. would agree that at the end, you have to hold them accountable for what they're doing because they are breaking laws, and that I agree with that. What I what will happen is people are going to argue that not that they should do it, but if you keep creating unfair, what people are going to call unfair rules and legislation for businesses to run effectively, that then this is going to be a byproduct of that. Not that they should do it, but this is to be expected when you do things like this. I, I think you're getting into an argument there of, well, can I start applying that logic to other things? Because I really don't think that it, it, it affects, you know, if I say, well, you well, know. we do apply it to other things. Hold on. We do apply it to other things. What do we always do? We excuse certain groups of people because, well, your environment created this. You're not a criminal. You were raised in a criminal environment. Therefore, what else were you going to do? Are you still going to jail? Well, yes, in some cases, but in other cases, we have sympathy and we have let people off because of what their situation was. So meaning, dude, if you create this environment, which do you and I would agree that lack of financial opportunity leads to crime, does it not? Correct. Okay, well, that's what's going. That's what the business world is going to tell you that there is a that, that when when you create certain laws. I'm not saying they're right. I'm telling you what the answers are going to be. That when you create certain laws, that you are creating a financial, you're, you're creating a tough marketplace at which financial, you know, situations can be achieved. And so through that, they are going to look to cheat the system. Now, what we all know is true is this. No matter how, no matter how business friendly you make it, they're still going to look to cheat the system because at the end of the day, profits are what businesses are in for. Now, I know profits is a dirty word these days, but at the end of the day, that's how everything gets done is by the profits. So, yes, I take your point, but we do excuse it in other areas. We do do that. And so I don't think we should do it for businesses, but we do do it in other areas. I do want to make mention of this because I think it's just kind of crazy. And I'm not judging here because I've been guilty. Right, I have uh, th- those of you that listen to the show a lot, uh, a lot. Sorry, know that I have uh, you know I had had the DUI once upon a time. But a former ESPN Cleveland radio personality, a guy I've met a handful of times, once or t- two or three times, not a whole lot, had been driving the wrong way on I ninety. This is Will Burge, thirty three of uh, Wycliffe, been charged with aggravated vehicular assault and OVI. He had been going the wrong way on ninety, hit a car, I believe uh, that had been uh, driven by a fifty six year old woman. Um, she was wearing her seatbelt at the time. She was transported to Kirtland EMS. Uh, he had a 32-year-old passenger with him who was taken to TriPoint Medical Center with minor injuries. They set a bond for him at $100,000, and he bonded out. I don't know how. I don't know what. I mean, maybe he owns a home, something. But what the hell did you put up for collateral to be able to do that? It's crazy. And how are you driving? I have a buddy who did it, who drove the wrong way on the freeway, got caught, and was sent to jail for it, that whole thing. Did time in jail for it. You should. And again, as a guy who was guilty of this, how the hell do you find yourself going the wrong way on the freeway, though? Just Uber, guys. It exists. It's so easy to do. How do you do it? Because you're blackout drunk, and, 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 and you, you, know, you have no control over what you're doing there. Was the like- person? Here's my question. The person that was in his car, 
were they blacked out drunk too? Or were they getting on the on-ramp going the wrong way going, dude, you got to stop that. What are you, what are you doing? doing? What are you doing? I would love to know the answer to that. Because if you were there knowing that that was about to go down, Ugh. how terrifying would that have been being in the passenger seat of that? Man, I got to tell you, I don't know what it is with, with Cleveland area media people, but they can't stop getting hammered and getting behind the wheel of the car. I don't mean to laugh. It's not funny. It's not a laughing matter. I understand there's probably a lot of you that have had a victim in your family of something like this. Get an Uber. It's so easy nowadays. 25 years ago, the concept of, well, what am I going to do with my car? I guess the, at least you can make some. There's there's no reason. It was never a good excuse, but I understand the reason why it happened. There's no reason anymore. Just get an Uber. Just Uber it, lift it, do one of those type things. We will start new turn. Tuesday next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. Canton's Rock Station. Rock 106.9. Still 10 grand, right? And do most people have $10,000? I do not. More importantly, do most people have somebody they can call from inside of jail and say, hey, I need 10 grand to get me out of here? I do not. Right. That was the point of it. I'd probably have to call like 10 people and be like, all right, maybe that we'll was the point of it. together. There's another guy who was like, dude, you need to look this guy up as if I didn't know who Will Burge was. <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess maybe we could be in the same industry 35 minutes apart and I've never heard of him. Oh, you know what? That could actually happen. Before I moved down here, I never heard of anybody who was on the camera. So, you know what? I guess maybe that is true. I guess maybe that could be true. But it's like, I mean, guys, come on. We talked about it. Right. I I had the article up in front of me. That's a great point. Let's just move forward. Let's just move forward. Here we go. New Turd Tuesday. We are going to do New Turd Tuesday. You're getting new Backstreet Boys, new Florida Georgia Line, new Adelita Sway, who will uh, be part of incarceration. We have uh, tickets for that all week, by the way. Uh, at least the way you're going to be part of that. We'll start this week the way we always do, which is like your top 40 song of the week, with Backstreet Boys' Don't Go Breaking My Heart. This is brand new. Is it a cover? I don't know. To be honest with you, I don't have the answer to that. I was told by the one and only Keith Kennedy. 98 one. 98-1. All right. 98-1's own Keith Kennedy that Backstreet Boys' new single is catching a lot of traction. He actually suggested this for us. Okay, I have a question. Okay. Now, with NSYNC, we always kind of knew. It's Justin. It's Justin's got, like, the real amount of talent. The rest of those guys can dance a little bit. Backing vocals probably all right. But Justin was, like, the star. Had all, like, the talent. Who is, like, the driving force of the Backstreet Boys? Like, who's the guy? Well, none of them had the, the, the post-success that Justin Timberlake did. None, I mean, just nobody. Um, I think it was the, the, the Carter, not Aaron, Nick, Nick Carter. Carter. I think okay. he was All the right. one who was like, okay. But, I mean, compare, the, compare and contrast the, the, the careers the same there. Thing. It's not right, the same yeah. thing. I got mixed emotions. Did I finally find me a river that could lead me out to the ocean? The fact that Backstreet Boys are putting forth new music is proof of that. Is that none of you guys had the success with that Justin Timberlake did? Because all four of those in sync dudes are like, yo, JT, call us, bro. Call us, bro. Bro, call us. And Backstreet Boys are like, yeah, we'll play the rib circuit. We'll play, dude, we'll play the ribs burn off this week. Here's what I cannot believe hasn't happened with Justin Timberlake and NSYNC. Because I think that tour eventually is coming. Because there's just too much. I think there's, there's money too, on the table. There's too much money on the table. Right. So what I don't understand why why this hasn't happened yet. Why don't you just have NSYNC open for you? Why don't you go out there and give the people really what they want? Give them an NSYNC set, then you take a 20-minute, like, you know, whatever, and then you come back out and you give them an hour and a half of JT. 
I don't see. I, I don't see why that's not not a good idea. The reason it probably hasn't happened yet is he's selling out the queue, no problem. You know what I mean? Twice this year. Wait till that starts to go down right. just a little bit, and no then need. right back into it. Yeah, that's the smart play. This is new Backstreet Boys stuff. <laughs> what are we talking about in sync? Not in sync. <laughs> Why are we going down tempo first song back? Give me a banger. Yeah. You're right. Maybe we're getting into it. It's got that 80 synth in the background there. Here's another thing. Would they be in, what, a month and a half away, maybe? If you're the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you're not looking at Backstreet Boys' Concert for Legends? You're not looking at NSYNC? Like, if maybe you pay the money, maybe you pay Justin the money to get it done? You're looking at Justin Timberlake. I don't think Backstreet Boys on their own. Like I said, they're, I mean, they're willing to go do ribs burn-offs now. Does Backstreet Boys do better or worse than, um, God, who is playing it this year? They're not average. Maroon 5. Maroon 5. Maroon 5. Like, if, uh, if, if, no, Maroon 5 bigger. Who's had more hits in the past 15 years? Not even close. I agree, but that will not always lead to ticket sales. It, I think the nostalgia factor may move tickets. I could be wrong, but I think it might, it might happen. There it is. Pull off tempo. I think this one. Wait, no, he was in NSYNC. Okay, that's right. Nick Carter was the Lance Bass of Backstreet, right? I don't know. Which one was Wilder again? <laughs> he was in Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. That was a different one. Well, New Kids on the Block is what I was going oh, for. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah. Now, this is actually, a, I think, a compliment, is that this is a song looking to get ads on the radio today, and I can't tell it's Backstreet Boys, which I think might help you. Right? Yeah, but without knowing it's Backstreet Boys, are you even giving it, it to enough? listen? Hmm. That's a good point, too. Yeah, that 80 synth keeps making me thinking like I'm about to watch an episode of Stranger Things. Yeah, a little bit. I feel like this is off the cutting room floor of the weekend. Somebody, right? Somebody was like, yeah, like, I don't want it. The weekend this. was like, eh, it's not quite ready. Give it to the Backstreet Boys. I don't think I've heard like a good singer yet. I don't know who these dudes are, but. I'm trying to, as I'm, I have my eyes closed listening to this, I'm trying to picture the facial hair of 2018 Backstreet Boys. Does one of them still have to pretend like he's super hood and ghetto? I would assume so. Oh, good. Baby, 
One of them always looks like that creep who like drives a Trans Am and still picks up like you know tenth graders, even though he's like a, a senior in college. There's, uh, there's new Backstreet Boys, Don't Go Breaking My Heart. Don't give me the vote there. It's a turn. Nothing really redeeming about that song. The chorus was a little catchy there, um, but I don't think it was catchy enough to carry it into, like, you know, uh, airplay. Um, I'm surprised Keith Kennedy was all hot and bothered about that because I felt like that was very 2018 Backstreet Boys swinging a miss there. Oh, I disagree. I think the song overall is not very good, but the hook will be enough, and it's a good summertime hook, and... Dude, you sell music to girls on the fact that a guy's worried about her breaking her heart. They're just going to love it. I think they'll eat it up. I think the nostalgia is also going to play a factor. I vote not a turd. Not a turd. I think that'll actually end up doing halfway decent for them as a summer record. New Florida Georgia Line, simple. Next on Rock 106.9. Good morning. The Stansberry Show. Or the God of your choosing. Best morning ever. Kent's Rock Station. Rock 106.9. And that's the mark of a song. When the chorus comes by the second time, if you already know it, you're already singing it in the car, hit record. That's just the way it works. I believe the Backstreet Boys will find a little bit of success. I don't think it's number one record or anything. I think they'll have some success with that song. We have new uh, country music for you this week as well, as we always do. This is new Florida Georgia Line. Their song is called Simple. A little bit of whistling right out of the gate there. This is already in TV commercials. Is it? Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't know that until I just heard this, but yeah. Minus five plus five, not a rocket science. This daytime, that's hard to find. It's true. The road we're on in a traffic jam. It's a sunny drive on a piece of land. It's paradise as long as I'm with you. People hate these dudes. Hate these dudes. Yeah. Um, this is one of those things that happens in all walks of life. This is why people hate the Warriors. This is why people hate Nickelback. This is why people hate Florida Georgia Line. It's people hate success. And I've been rallying against the word hater for a few days because it just gets wrongly used. Like I was called a Pantera hater yesterday. It's ridiculous. I own every Pantera album. I listen to Pantera. I like Pantera. I said they were a little overrated. That does not make me a hater. Just that's my opinion. But if you just hate something because it's popular, you are a hater. They have Nickelback disease is what Florida Georgia Line has. Traffic jam, it's a sunny drive on a piece of land. It's paradise as long as I'm with you. It's like one, two, three, just as easy as can be. Just the way you look at me, make me smile. Ain't no need to complicate it. We both know that's overrated. We've been there, it's safe to say it ain't our style. It's just that simple as I This song a little bit different than a normal Florida Georgia Line, you know, Florida Georgia Line offering, correct? Um, 
I don't. It just doesn't feel as poppy to me. This feels like more country. There's more country sound coming out of this than like uh, pop music. To me. Really, I'm not walking away with that at all. But wow, that's an interesting view. I like how he says we used to do that. Yeah, oh yeah, we're not doing that anymore. Yesterday? <laughs> I mean, you compare this to their biggest song, which Cruise is their biggest song, hands down. Their second biggest song, probably that one with BB Rexa that was just really big, that, um, uh, what the hell was it called? Um, is Cruise ri- still their biggest ride song? with me? What do you think is bigger? I don't know, dude. I mean, we're talking about a about a group that's had a ton of hits. Like, I, I don't. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just. I'm curious as to whether or not Cruise is still their biggest hit. I just hear a real difference in this song versus those two songs. Now, if we're talking Florida Georgia Line deep cuts, I have zero clue. I have nothing to base that. Yeah, off this is of. not necessarily out of bounds for what they do. Okay. What I've always been curious about with Florida Georgia Line is I don't know if this is does one dude do everything and the other guy just happens to be there because I, I can know. never tell differences in voices. I don't know. I, I I have no clue. I know it's two dudes, but I have no idea. I who's don't doing know. It's like one guy doing all the lifting and another guy's just like standing around. Is it like the Black Keys where one guy's playing an instrument, the other one's singing, or is it like the Chainsmokers where two of them are up? I, I don't know. I when have zero I, clue. They opened up for Jason Aldean at Progressive Field, and I saw that, and they were both out there with microphones. But I think it's just like core stuff. I'm I, I'm pretty sure like one guy's doing the lion's share. <laughs> But I could be really wrong. Like that's not a pop chorus to me. That that does sound different than you know Cruise or um what was the other big one um this is how we roll where those felt like pop country chorus yeah I'm not hearing that much of a difference I'm surprised you are this is paint by numbers country but it sounds like country to me. Hmm. Where I normally Florida Georgia Line, I'm like, yeah, dude, that's a Jason Derulo song. Yeah, this does not sound like country music to me. That's very interesting. There's new Florida Georgia Line simple. Phantom, give me your vote there. Right? Eh, it's half a turn. I don't think that song's necessarily going to be a big hit record just because it's not as poppy as their past offerings. Um, but I didn't hate that song, so I'm going to call it a haver. 
Man, we're just disagreeing all the way up and down. I uh, I absolutely hated it. I'm voting turd on that. It's a turd. And I'm a little bit of a Florida uh, Florida Georgia Line fan, you know. I, I you know begrudgingly I, I tell you that, but I um but yeah, I normally don't like hate those guys just to hate them. But yeah, I was not a big fan of that one. New Adelitas Way, notorious. Next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. I have got to get in on this. Rock 106.9. Yo, guys, Fantone from the Stansberry Show here, letting you know about Fight Fest. It all goes down June 30th at the legendary Chaparral's Event Center in Akron. Fight Fest is brought to you by Honor Fighting Championship. That is America's fastest growing MMA brand. And if you've been to one of these events, you know why. They feature from a friend of mine. She kind of recommended. She's like, dude, you work in rock radio. I'm surprised you're not more about this band. And I'll be honest with you. People ask me all the time when I leave work. And this has been true for years. I don't listen to the kind of rock music that happens on the radio station, and it's just because I've worked in rock radio so long that it's like I'm kind of over it. Like it just happens where it's like, you know what, dude, I've been around. It's like if you worked in a restaurant and all, and your best dish was veal parm. Do you want to eat veal parm when you go home for dinner that night? Probably not. You probably want something else. And that's how I kind of went to country music. It's how I kind of went to some other styles of music because it's like, dude, I've had enough Godsmack. I can't take it. Like, it, and don't get me wrong, still like it. It's just like when you're when you leave work, I don't necessarily want my house to sound like my office. It's essentially the point I'm making. But she turned me on to this band. They got like four albums, and I ended up liking them all. Full disclosure, we're going to play you a song called Notorious. Now, there's a song off their newest album. I'll, let me let me look this up. The band's called Adelita's Way. And there's actually a song off the newest album that I think is better. It's called Tell Me, but they aren't releasing it as a single as of yet. Therefore, my company won't allow me to have it. But they have a new album out. It's called Notorious. And this is like, this is the, uh, well, the title track. Here's Notorious from Adelita's Way. Notorious. So notorious. Somebody made him aware they were going to be on the segment today, and he reached out to me on Twitter and said, dude, I, I, I just want to say thanks. He's like, people think you got four, three, four albums in. People think you're a rock star. People think you got a ton of money. He's like, dude, the label doesn't give me any help. He goes, I'm my own promotional machine. We pack our own shirts. We roadie our own shows. He's like, dude, we're four albums in. The, the He's like, the label gives us nothing. That is such a, you know. I oh, keep you, trying to tell people. You've got a CD. Okay, well, then, dude, you must be a millionaire. And that is not true. It's I've just told, not. I've told people a thousand times. There are bands you own T-shirts of that when they come through town, ask me to sleep on my couch because they don't have any money. And damn. I'd ask Stan's ready to sleep on his couch because I want money. He's got that new couch. He's got a new one. Long enough for the tall guy, too. Everybody wants to wear the crown and keep lining them up. I keep knocking them down. Notorious. So notorious. playoffs 
I can hear it in that commercial. Good at that anthemic thing, which is very important if you're going to be a rock band and oh, you want God, success. Yeah. You got to be yes. able to do that. Yes, and they're good at it. So many songs from this band are on my gym sound, or like my gym playlist, my rock gym playlist. I have like ten, but like I said, there's a there's a song off this album. It's called "Tell Me," and it's so good. It's such a hit. There's brand new Adelita's Way. The song's notorious. Fans, don't give me your vote. Eh, it's mm. half a turd. Um, not a terrible song, but it didn't do anything for me. I mean, it was okay if I never hear that song again. Fine, and if that song's on, I'm not rushing to the radio to turn it. So I'm gonna call it a half. Um, it will not be a hit because I know, and he actually, the lead singer of the band pointed this out. He's like, look, he's like rock music fans are just lazy. They don't seek out the new thing. He also kind of like blamed our industry a little bit and said, look, other formats in radio kind of push newer artists better than the rock format does. And he's right. He's not necessarily lying about that. Um, but I, so I don't think it'll be breakthrough. I don't think it's going to be a big song, but I really, really, really like it. So I'm going to vote not a turd. Not a turd. Disclosure, there's a song on the album that's better. It's called Tell Me, and that's a smash hit. So check out New Adelita's Way. The name of the album is Notorious. We do have those Honored Fighting Championship tickets. We are going to pass those out right now. Take caller 25 at 1-800-243-7625 on those. Aside from that, though, done for the day. Be back at it live tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. on Rock 106.9. You guys have a great afternoon. See you. The Stansberry Show. That guy knows how to party. Rock 106.9.